Hey, what's up, y'all? Alan Kenny, host of Blatant Homerism Podcast here. Today is uh, March 13th, 2019. All right, let's go ahead and welcome on our guest. Uh, he's uh, been a frequent uh, contributor in the past year. Uh, Braden Gall, he writes for Athlon Sports, and he's on the radio a whole bunch. He, he, he likes to talk. Uh, Braden, how you doing, buddy? <laughs> I'm doing well. My my mother and my wife agree with you. <laughs> I guess he's also on the uh, Cover Two podcast uh, uh, there from uh, Athlon Sports, also with uh, our buddy Mitch Light. So uh, we're ha- I invited Braden on because uh, Athlon's done some uh, rankings of uh, the Big Twelve jobs, and I want to do a talk about it. it's a nice kind of off season uh, fodder thing. But first up. Braden, uh, I don't know if you've been following the news, but uh, all these, uh, all the, the story about all these celebrities, you know, or you know, rich people, I guess, you know, bribing uh, to get their kids into college. I mean, do, does that raise any concerns for you? Maybe your parents might have, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> pulled pull a few strings to help get you in there. What uh, Tennessee? Yeah, yeah, middle uh, middle Tennessee State. It was really hard to get into first year, and then. You know the uh, the academic superiority that is the University of Tennessee. Um, really hard to get into. You know they they you know we, we wrote the check and applied for the loan and got got right in. Um, no, I, it's it's funny. You know you cover college athletics and you hear about you know this Will Wade stuff, obviously, and all this the, the college basketball scandal and you know it's it's all stuff that we sort of know about, right? Like we know. Oh, you mean you know, a family got a little money on the side for going to a school. Like, we kind of go, oh, that makes sense. You know, he's earned that scholarship. This is, like, sort of coming at it from the inverse. Yeah. Like, using athletic, using athletic scholarships, it's totally bizarre. Um, and, and, and just, like, changing test scores and all this crazy <laughs> stuff. Um, but, but, like, if you really think about it, you know, using power and wealth and privilege and influence in this country is not a new thing. No. Um, you know, there's a lot of kids that get into these esteemed universities. I think USC is probably going to face the most blowback because it's sort of Lynn Swan's right-hand um, lieutenant right there that got in, in, in some really serious allegations and some trouble. So U- USC's country club status only gets confirmed with stories like this. But, like, you know, it's it's just shocking that, like, you know, some, some rich person's kid gets to go to Yale because they have more wealth and privilege. In America, no way. Yeah. I, you know, it, it's... I had never thought about it like this and, and manipulating the system like this. And it's sad because it means that some other students that deserve to go to those institutions did not get opportunities. And so um, it's just, it's sad and shocking. And then you think about it for a second and you're probably not all that shocked really. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's just funny that we're, we're so accustomed to uh, the money going out from the coaches to, uh, you know, the players this time. Right. Uh, it's uh "Quote unquote players' uh, money going to the coaches." So anyway, just uh, yeah, yeah, very very sad state of affairs. But um, speaking of sad states of affairs, let's you know, looking at the, your number one uh, here program in the Big Twelve, you've got Texas, the <laughs> Texas Longhorns. Uh, in all actuality, though, I mean Texas is clearly a program uh, you know that is uh, making strides. I think the past couple years under Tom Herman. Um, but uh, going down the list here, yeah, one Texas, two Oklahoma. Three Oklahoma State, four West Virginia, five Texas Tech, six TCU, seven Baylor, eight Iowa State, nine Kansas State, and ten Kansas. Let's start off right there at the top, though, between Texas and Oklahoma. And this is an interesting one to me because the it, it, as an academic exercise, I get it. Yeah, Texas is you know one of the 
kind of plum jobs, you know, obviously in the, or in the entire country. But there's also, like, kind of a question that lingers out there that, you know, if you look at historically how Texas matches up with a program like Oklahoma or Notre Dame or Alabama, I mean, it's really not on that level in terms of achievement, right? Yeah, I mean, so, so first let's, um, let's sort of talk. I'll, I'll kind of explain the methodology because I think it's important because it has nothing to do with the current roster or the current coaches, the current players, the current administrators. It has nothing really to do with even a 5 or 10 or 15 or 20-year look at the program. It sort of is more of a broad 100-year look at a program. And if you cleaned all of those factors away, like no probation, no sanctions, no rosters, no, no individuals, and let's say you put Nick Saban at every job, where would he win the most, the fastest? What's the best job? And, you know, I think Texas, you could argue, is the best job in America. Um, and, and that, to, to me, that means it's not even close to your point. Oklahoma has hired better people over a much longer period of time because the differences between Texas and Oklahoma really aren't that, that big. And Texas is the largest, most powerful athletic department in America. It's sitting in the middle of the most, one of the most talent-rich states in the entire country. And, and those are reasons to rank Texas high. They spend money. They have financial support that's almost second to none when it comes to spending money. They're the only institution that has its own network, for example. So th- these are things that make that job a, a more, let's say, attractive job. But I think the case for Oklahoma is actually really, really good because, to, to your point, they've had more championships more pockets of long sustained success, whether it's Wilkinson, whether it's Switzer, whether it's, you know, Stoops and now Lincoln Riley, it has been better at Oklahoma. I would guess that you can, the talent pool, the recruiting base at Texas is a little bit better. You're, you're in Mm -hmm. the biggest state, you know, with more players, but it's not like Oklahoma doesn't pull most of its talent from Texas too. I mean, Dallas Fort Worth is basically Oklahoma territory, right? So um, it's not like Oklahoma doesn't have that. So I think the methodology is important. Um, to sort of understand, I, I lean Texas by like a slim, like just a tiny hair. I think it's 1A and 1B. They're both probably, you know, one in the nation and then maybe four or five in the nation, or maybe they're both top five in the nation. Maybe they're both top, they're certainly both top 10 in the nation. Um, they're very, very, very close. And I think the difference between the two programs, because the fans are great on both areas, the spending is, is great for both areas. The recruiting base, again, you could give the edge to Texas if you wanted to split hairs. The difference has been person, personnel. Who's made better hires? And it's, it's, it's not even close. Oklahoma has made better coaching hires over the last 50 years than Texas has. And that's basically the only difference between the two programs. And on the field, it makes all the difference in the world is the coaching hire. But for this exercise, it's sort of taking all that out of the equation. If you, if you put Nick Saban at both jobs, where does he win? the most, the fastest, and let's be very clear, it'd be, it'd be Nick Saban-led Texas versus Nick Saban-led Oklahoma in the Big 12 title game every year if Nick Saban was coaching at every job in the Big 12. Yeah, you know, the interesting part to me about that, too, though, is I wonder what, what coaches would say if you if you did ask them, and I only, I only you know, bring that up because um, there are a lot of politics to uh, be played at Texas that, you know, really hasn't been that much of yeah. an issue in Oklahoma, you know I mean? And that can lead to a lot of chaos, you know, behind the scenes and, and make things pretty difficult, uh, you know, for coaches. Um, and so that's, that's one thing I wonder. But you're right. I mean, it really is kind of a splitting hairs type of thing at this point, really. Um, 
Yeah, and you, you well, and you'd be more familiar with the Oklahoma thing. You're obviously the biggest school in your state. Uh, that school is obviously the biggest in its state. Texas is the biggest in its state. Uh, but you're you're right. I mean, I mean, in part, the reason that Baylor got into the Big 12 when it did and TCU didn't was politics, right? I mean, yeah. that's um, that that's part of the equation. So um, now, would you rather live in you know a suburb yeah. of Oklahoma yeah. City or a suburb a suburb of Austin? I mean, those you know Austin probably gets the edge there. Yeah. Oh yeah. But, no. but you never but. You, but you never know. I mean, like, it does, you never know what makes a guy tick. There's plenty of people that would find – I've been to Oklahoma City. I've toured Oklahoma's campus. I think it's awesome. It's it's great, just like everywhere else. A lot of cool stuff in Oklahoma City. It's not – you know, again, Austin has this – is a pretty cool town, and so I might give the edge to Austin there. But at the end of it, you know, it's, it's, it's all about what makes the individual coach tick. And if you call, you know, XYZ coach at XYZ school anywhere in America and say, all right, we're going to give you $5 million to coach Texas or $5 million to coach Oklahoma. He and his, he and his family might choose Oklahoma city more times than not. So you just don't know when it comes to the individual coach making that decision. Right. Yeah. And that's part of it too. It's always funny when people talk about, Oh, well, X is a better job than Y to me. Sometimes it's always not, not exactly. I mean, a guy like Chris Peterson, for example, you know, he had uh, right, USC exactly. banging down his door, but instead he goes to Washington because he likes you know Seattle better. I mean, it makes sense, you know. It is right. life, right? Exactly. Um, yep. So three, four, five here, six. This is where it's it's really interesting to me. Um, Oklahoma State, West Virginia, Texas Tech, and TCU in that order. I would have TCU third, and I know that that might not necessarily jive with. You know, historical trends necessarily, but to me, if I'm a coach, you're asking me which job do I want. Uh, I mean, being right in the middle of Fort Worth to me that puts TCU above uh, above the other three in terms of desirability. Yeah, it's it's funny. Um, I mean, I like the TCU job a lot too. I, I think TCU and Baylor are very very similar. Like, you know, religious institutions, small schools, small stadiums. Um, you know, I, I would clearly give the edge to TCU because less crazy things have happened there and they're not in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. So I think that's probably my difference between the two. Um, but I, I think it's what's fascinating about a program like Texas Tech, for example, and we, we talked about this on our podcast um, on the cover, too, with, with, with Mitch Light. And that is if, if Lubbock was like Athens, like like Athens, Georgia is like 45 minutes from Atlanta, maybe a little bit more. It's, a, it's, it's not a suburb, but it's close enough that it's yeah. sort of Atlanta, right? And you got a yeah. ton of population base and a huge alumni base. If Lubbock was like 45 minutes from Dallas-Fort Worth, I think Texas Tech would be clearly the third job in the Big 12. But, but the only thing that really holds it back, because Lubbock is a bigger city than people realize, there's more people there than people realize, it, the great fans, you know, the, stu- the, the uh-huh. stadium's solid. Yeah. It's, just out in the middle of no- it's just out in the middle of nowhere. And so it's maybe harder to get players to come there. If it was a, if it was 45 minutes from from Dallas Fort Worth, I think Texas Tech would be a phenomenal job. Like it would be number three. The only thing against West Virginia, frankly, unbelievable fan support, great fans. Doesn't have a great recruiting base, but it's got a great history and tradition of success. Um, you know, the stadium is great, beautiful countryside. It's just also sort of in the middle of nowhere. So it, that's where it gets hurt, West Virginia and Texas Tech, and that's why we knocked them down a peg and had Oklahoma State at three. My issue with TCU is just there's no proof of concept. Like, there needs to be more, other than Gary Patterson, that they haven't been in a big league for long enough with a coach that's won championships at a high level to prove that they are, you know, a better program than a West Virginia, for example, that has a higher sellout rate with more more fans and a, and a louder stadium with a lower recruiting base. 
and and West Virginia has played for national titles in the late '80s, and with you know with, with Pat White, yeah, they were yeah. close in 2000s under under Rich Rodriguez. So there's proof of concept there with these other programs. Um, you know, we have a great discussion about Oklahoma State. What you know is is, is what's more important to Oklahoma State, T. Boone Pickens or Mike Gundy? And and we don't really know the answer to that question. Um, so TCU to me just doesn't have the proof of concept yet. It hasn't proven itself um, on the highest levels sustainable over multiple different coaches that's what makes oklahoma special for example that it's done it now for decades and decades and decades with multiple coaches and it's a proven commodity yeah you know it's funny way back when right before um, oklahoma hired bob stoops the uh you know a a pretty hot candidate at the time for that job was actually dennis frecioni of tcu which is just interesting to think about how that might have (laughs) gone if they had gone that direction but um you know, uh, yeah, I think you're the the thing that you're right about with TCU is the the fan support. You know, I mean, um, they've got actually really nice facilities and and, and whatnot. But you do wonder right. if there's enough kind of institutional will and kind of rabidness there with the fan base, just based on what you see with the attendance. Um, but yeah, Oklahoma State that's a tough one, man. Because, uh, I mean. You're right. I mean, like now that they have that huge kind of financial commitment and, and, and the facilities in there, you know, you got to think that that's going to be a big plus going forward. But man, I mean, you know, Stillwater is a very similar situation to Lubbock, except it's smaller. You know, right. it's it's so far removed. And you know, you look at how how they've had success. Uh, you know, doing this lately. I mean, there's a lot of kind of. Uh, you know, Mike Gundy, uh, you know, making the, uh, the whole greater than the sum of the parts, you know? Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. See, I, I yeah, I, I don't think I could have Oklahoma state ahead. I just, I don't know. I mean, th- these are all so close, you know? Um, yeah, no, I think, I think that's the key. That's, that's the key. I think is that there are, and, and this is not new news. We're not like reinventing the wheel here, but like there's Texas and there's Oklahoma in the big 12 yeah. and that's it. It's yeah. who, whoever's got whoever's got the great coach after that is going to be the team that can compete and contend and sort of routinely be a part of it because and, and I would put like you know we'll get to the bottom half in a minute it's what makes Bill Snyder so special is that you could argue a program that has been contending for Big 12 titles for the better part of 20 years is one of the toughest places to win in America that's what makes Bill Snyder so special at Kansas State but you know that's why, like, T. Boone Pickens makes Oklahoma State more attractive. Or, or is it Mike Gundy's success? Like you said, some smoke yeah. and mirrors, you know, kind of working his magic. And, you know, West Virginia's done it with multiple coaches, and, and it's only because they're – it's just because they're not connected to the Big 12 fabric as much. They're not as woven into it that I think it, it – you know, I could easily make the case for West Virginia at number three. If Texas Tech, like we talked about, an out, a bit of an outpost, that's probably the only reason it's not number three. Um, Oklahoma State's just had far more success than Texas Tech. I mean, if you look at, you know, and, and that's and that's that's probably slighting Texas Tech a bit because they've had success under multiple coaches. They just never get to the top of the mountain the way Oklahoma State has occasionally done that. Yeah. So, you know, we're spl- again splitting hairs here. I, I mean, you could argue Baylor at seven is just as good a job at, as number three. Um, you know, if you love Chip and Joanna Gaines, then, then that's your <laughs> yeah, spot. That's yeah. your that's that's your jam. So, um, it, like, where would I preferably? Where would I rather live? I'd probably. I'm with you. I'd probably go TCU. If you're asking me personally, yeah. Like, hey, where would I rather live? Like, I'd probably live in Fort Worth than in Stillwater or Lubbock. 
you know, or or Morgantown, which you know you you barely can get flights to or whatever. So um, that's just my personal opinion. But you know, we try to take our own personal taste out of it and try to guess what a majority of coaches would think. And I think your your point about TCU is is the concern. Are you held to a standard by the fans that demands excellence? And they just never have. And that's why, um, you know, Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, West Virginia, those three programs, to me, have a far bigger level of fan support and, and fan demand of excellence than TCU ever has. And that's probably why we would rank TCU where we did. Got it. Got it. You know, the one here, I mean, you know, 8, 9, 10, uh, Iowa State, Kansas State, Kansas. I actually feel like I, I understand why you'd rank Kansas 10th here. Um, you know, but man, there's actually a lot more potential, I think, in that program than, uh, than people realize. It's just a matter of you're, you're always kind of playing second fiddle to, uh, to that, to that basketball program, you know? Well, and, and I'd much rather live in Lawrence than Manhattan. Yeah. I mean, for the record, for for the record, I mean, there's no, there's no doubt about that. So I actually think Ames is, is underrated, um, as a place to go to a game and watch a game and the fan support. I think the fan support's a little underrated actually at Ames. Um, nationally, I don't think a lot of people think, oh, that's a great place to go watch a game. But it, it's probably better than people think, especially for being, you know, as far down on the list as we have it. Um, they also have shown a commitment to success, yeah. at least a little bit, by, yeah. by, by investing in Matt Campbell. That's a positive sign for that program moving forward, willing to put money into him and his staff. Um, so, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I think we could debate Kansas, Kansas State. I, I don't t- – to your point, it's sort of like North Carolina in – in the ACC, one of the issues with with North Carolina, it's a beautiful campus. It's a beautiful place to recruit. I mean, Chapel Hill is far worse places in the world to try to recruit to. But the fans demand excellence in basketball. They they require it in basketball. If you miss the tournament twice, you're getting fired. They they just hold you to a certain standard, and that's a good thing and a bad thing, right? It means there's pressure to win, but it means there's commitment and support to win. And that's that makes North Carolina a very strange football job. It's the exact same thing minus the recruiting base at Kansas. That's the difference. North Carolina has a good enough recruiting base that it can kind of survive because it's got such a talent-rich area to, to pull from, whereas the state of Kansas, the state of Iowa, Nebraska, you draw a six-hour radius around Lawrence, and, you, you, sure, you get into you know, you get into Missouri and, and Arkansas and a little bit of Texas and Oklahoma, but not really. I mean, there's just not a lot of players yeah. there. So. It, the, the recruiting base and the fact that everyone at that school cares more about something else is just is a hard sell, even though I'd much rather live in Lawrence than, than in Manhattan. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I mean, I'm sure that there are some people who would go the other way. I, I, I don't know a whole lot of them. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, <laughs> yeah, no. And uh, But the, the one thing, too, though, in, in kind of a broader picture here that is really interesting to me about this is that, you know, you look through here and – you know, yeah, the Big 12 doesn't have a lot of, uh, you know, obviously a lot of recruiting territory. Uh, we're not talking about necessarily huge schools here. You know, the, the geographic footprint isn't big. But one of the things about it, you look through this list of jobs, and there really is, though, a lot of um, institutional will, in my opinion, at each of them, and a lot of them, pardon me, to uh, to kind of make the program great. I mean, you know, you look at Kansas State, for example, and you can say, oh, well, you know, it was all Bill Snyder. Well, I mean, 
Bill Snyder needed resources. He needed support. He needed all that behind him, you know, or, or, or I mean, you know, it, it was unfortunate, obviously, how things went down at Baylor, but, um, you know, you don't really get necessarily to where Art Bryles had that program. And I mean, you look at their new stadium without having a lot of support, and right. a lot of drive behind you. Same with, um, you know, with West Virginia, Oklahoma State, you know, that that to me is is kind of one of my bigger takeaways about this, because. In, you know, as an intellectual exercise, uh, you know, Iowa State should probably be a much worse job than it is. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I follow that totally. Because, and now, to, to your point, probably, I, I don't know where Iowa State would rank in the Big Ten or in the yeah. SEC or in, in the ACC even. I, I think it would be, you know, like is Pittsburgh, for example, which is an interesting exercise to do comparing jobs across yeah. conferences. Yeah. Is Pittsburgh, for example, a better job than Iowa State? Well, Pittsburgh is really unique, right? You've got to recruit. You've got to play in an NFL stadium. You've got a population trend that's dwindling in the state of Pennsylvania, but yeah. you've got a lot of history and tradition. You won a national championship in the 70s. You, you've got to, like, I, you could argue that Iowa State fans are, are probably more supportive of Iowa State football than Pittsburgh is. But would I rather work at Pittsburgh and have to recruit to all these weird situations because it's in Pennsylvania and and it's located where it is. I, I might I might take the Pittsburgh job, um, and and I'm not particularly you know beholden to Pittsburgh or Pennsylvania or whatever. But I you know I, you're in the coastal division. You might be able to win the division easier there. They won it at seven and six for crying out loud this year. So uh, you know I I like a lot more. And, and this is what's unique about this this exercise is because for example in the ACC when you compare Miami to Notre Dame. They're basically the inverse of each other, right? Miami has unbelievable recruiting territory and a history and success where they could throw a rock and get an yeah. entire starting 22 in like, in like a week. But they've got an off-campus stadium, and they don't have a big student body. There's not a lot of tradition and history there despite the, the really high-level success, whereas Notre Dame has got – it's like the quintessential college campus with unbelievable levels of support and fandom and all the history of touchdown Jesus and blah, 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 but like no players – within five hours of their campus. So it, it's, you know, national championship DNA requires access to players and, and resources. And, and generally the varying degrees of those two things combined with sort of, Oh, is your town cool to live in? Is it a nice fun place for a family? I mean, for example, I like Auburn a ton as a, as a, as a tiny little sleepy college town, Starkville, not so much college station, not so much. I'm not a fan. I wouldn't want to live in either of those two places, but I love Auburn. I can't tell you why. It's just more charming. Um, it's just more enjoyable. Like, like Lawrence, it's just sort of, it's got some charm to it. That's probably, you know, Iowa city has got some more charm than Ames, for example. Right. So it's just, um, sometimes it's, it's about the vibe of the place you're living in, but mostly it's about athletes and money and athletes and money are, are prevalent in a lot of places. And Iowa is not one of them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, closing up here, you know, I'm actually I've actually got the uh, Oklahoma Pro Day live stream going on here on my Apple TV, watching it. Ooh. Uh, yeah, you know, Kyler Murray, uh, you know, declined to be measured today. Now, are you are you a five ten truther, or are you, uh, <laughs> you know, are, are you uh, you know wondering if uh, maybe he's actually five nine and three quarters or something like that? What, what was he actually born in Hawaii or Kenya? I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, no. 
Listen, I mean, if, if he measures something at the NFL Combine, I don't know why I wouldn't believe it. I was shocked when I saw the number. Um, but I, I, who, for whatever the number says, he, he plays it, – it's funny. He plays both bigger and smaller than his size in, in both positive ways. He plays smaller than his size in that he never takes big shots. He knows how to fall really well. And I think that's going to help him, especially for a kid who's built a lot bigger than people think he is. You know, Baker Mayfield, for example, much thicker lower body, I think, than people think when they think of a six-foot yeah. foot player. Like Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson you know, I've, I've, I've sat next to Baker Mayfield and interviewed him, and I've sat next to Lamar Jackson, both when they were actually pretty young in college. When Baker's first season at Oklahoma, I, I toured the facilities and, and got to interview. You know, it was Lincoln Riley's first year as the OC, and I'm, I, I got to sit down and talk with him, and he's just a bigger thicker guy than you think that same year I did the same thing with Lamar Jackson when he was a sophomore before he won the Heisman and Lamar Jackson is like a, a beanpole uh, but but Lamar Jackson's going to be listed as a bigger player than Baker Mayfield so Kyler's bigger probably than his measurables indicate but he plays smaller which I think is is good because he avoids the big hit he never takes shots he, he like if you watch the games I'm sure like you guys all have he, he just he knows how to slide left, slide right, move his body, contort himself to the way, get out of bounds before he takes the big shot. Obviously, the NFL is faster. Um, but, but knowing how to fall is a skill, and, and I believe in it. And, and Robert Griffin III is like the worst faller in the history of the NFL, yeah. could not do it to save his life. I think, I think that's one of the things that could save – like Lamar Jackson was not doing that for the Ravens in the second half of the season. He was taking shot after shot after shot, and it's going to end your career – if Kyler can play more like a Russell Wilson and avoid taking shots and sort of continue to do what he did at Oklahoma, I think he can play for a long time because his arm talent is, is you know, nobody questions that. It's ridiculous, his arm talent. His foot speed is, is off the charts. He's mentally, he's a great kid. Like, there's nothing, there's nothing there other than the size to really slow people down, and I think the NFL has evolved maybe past that right now. Yeah, it certainly seems that way, and you know, I I don't know where he'll end up getting picked, uh, but you know, I mean, it, it, the idea that a guy his size would have been picked, you know, in the first round even a few years ago is, right. you know, I mean, laughable. So, it's it's definitely been an interesting evolution to watch. Well, uh, Braden, thanks a lot, man. So, uh, tell everybody where to find all your stuff. Oh man, where to begin? So, Cover Two Podcast app on sports. We do a national. Um, uh, on iTunes and everywhere podcasts are found. Rate, review, subscribe. Myself, Mitch Light. We do a, it's a college football national podcast, so we kind of cover everybody from across the country. Um, that's probably number one. I do a lot of work for SiriusXM, ESPNU. I do some Big 12 radio as well as SEC and ACC radio as well. So um, all over the uh, the space radio dial there, and um, locally here in Nashville. So if you're a huge Preds fan, I don't, I don't, you know, if you happen to be a huge Predators fan, we talk about that some on the local show. So. Um, check that out as well on ESPN Radio. So just all over, all over the sports world. Awesome. Well, hey man, thanks so much for uh, coming on talking uh, Big Twelve uh, coaching ranking jobs. Yeah, thank you, man. Always a pleasure. All right, thanks again to our guest uh, Braden Gall. Make sure to check him out uh, all those different places: Athlon Sports, uh, ESPNU Radio, and whatnot. And uh, thanks to y'all for joining us too. For the White and Homers and Podcast, I'm Alan Kenny. Take it easy. <laughs>